demons. Who are they? What do they do? And how do you stop them? An Irish demonologist answers those questions, coming up next on Survivor Angels. It's time for Survivor Angels, an approach to strengthen trauma survivors. Here, you can escape what draws negativity and engage your positive abilities and the gifts that you've always had. Let's activate your angels. And to help you on that journey, here's Chaplain Jody. Gavin, I am so glad to have you here with me on this edition of Survivor Angels. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We are going to talk about demons and demonology and all of those sort of things because Halloween is right around the corner here. Um, my, my first question to you, is it true that Halloween originated in Ireland or is that just sort of an, an urban Irish legend or an American urban legend? No, I, I think I will. what I know of Halloween is, yeah, it originated in Ireland, yeah. But I think it has something to do with Egyptians as well, but I'm not quite sure. But I know it did originate in Ireland. Good. So I'm, I'm talking to the right... Halloween now, but I do know it did originate in Ireland, yeah. So I am, I am definitely talking to the right person here, uh, given our time proximity to Halloween. So I want to follow that up then with, you've been a demonologist for about 15 years, give or take. Yeah. What... What was the motivation for you to go down this journey? Well, I, I think it, I think it, it sort of it comes from my childhood. When I watched horror movies as a child, or I watched creepy movies, you know, I did get frightened like everybody else. But as watching these movies, I suppose I was always drawn to demonology. But most important, I was drawn to actually helping people. You watch a movie and go, "I wish I was there to help something, help someone." I love to be able to interfere, help someone, and that's how I think it was just always drawn to demonology. I've no idea why. And that is true. I don't know. I think it's you're here for a short time. Why not make a difference in someone's life? You know, why not help as many people as you can? And to be honest, I work free of charge anyway. Everything's free of charge and fully confidential, you know. I've been doing it for over 15 years. And when it comes to demonology and education, I'm still at the bottom of the ladder. Like there's so much more to learn, it's ridiculous. And unfortunately, the older I get, the less I, I, I forget stuff as well, you know. The memory goes a bit wonky. I have to get back into the books and start doing more study as well, you know. Oh, yeah, I totally understand the, the point that uh, we are constantly learning. It's just, yeah. even with the angels, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I, I'm always picking up something else that it's like, oh, I didn't realize that, or I didn't know that, or whatever, whatever the case might be. So how... How do you study for demonology? How did you study for it? Well, to be honest, studying, I started off very young, doing every online course because I was drawn to something I didn't quite understand. Ireland is a small country. It's a private country. You don't hear about demonologists. There's not, I don't even think there's any, there's many out there. I could be wrong. I am, um, this church is very secretive. No one really talks about it. So I start just getting drawn to buying books doing every online course I could do. And I done all the online courses, which cost me a lot of money, to be honest. I read all the books. And when I went and done my first case, 
I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> but because there was not many people in the country doing it, and I had a few pages and websites going, and eventually an American pastor and demonologist in America found me. And we formed great bonds with the Americans, to be honest. And they took me under their wing and says, forget about all the online courses you've done. They're going to do you nothing. You're going into people's homes and you haven't a clue what you're doing. Let's start at the basic. Okay, so let's start. Yeah. Let's start warfare. at the basic. They taught me demonology. Yeah. They basically okay. took me from what I, what I thought I knew and scrapped it and said, let's just start at the beginning. So they start teaching me. And even to this day, they work with me and teach me as well. I work with the best demonologists in America, the best pastors, and they're my best mates. And we're close, we're like family. And every time I get a case or I want to talk to someone, I just Skype them or message them. And we have a chit chat all the time. So they've taught now, me basically, yeah. With, yeah, with our, and with our modern technology, it makes it so easy for you to just, you know, have those conversations with them and everything. And so let's start at the beginning. How would you define a demon? Me, I think, to me, a demon is an inhuman spirit, something that hasn't been alive, something that isn't on this earth, basically an angel. So when God, well, I'd like to go back to the basics and explain what I think, and you might have a different uh, outlook, but we'll share anyway. So God created the universe. He created earth. He created human beings and the angels. There's nine orders of angels. You start at the bottom, you know, like archangels, angels, and it works all the way up to principalities, thrones, dominions. So it's the lower angels are the low ones, but it goes right up the cherubim and the seraphim. So God created angels, and he explained to the angels that he was going to come back. He was going to come to earth. He was going to be man's salvation, that he would die for man. He would be crucified. And some of the angels, I suppose, a third of the angels are getting a bit like, well, this isn't right, you know. You're, why would you want to come back as a human being? Why did you give human beings free will? They're just meat suits, to be honest. We're, we're a pure spirit. There's no need to do this. And pride and envy was creeping in as well. And Lucifer as well, he was over a third of the angels. And he basically tutored, taught, and looked after these new angels. He was over them. He was like the first angel God created, and he was... He was basically, back then, God created him beautiful. He created a, a magnificent angel. But I suppose God, as well, when he created angels, he infused them with education, power. He gave them everything, but he never showed his face to the angels. So when God said that he was going to come back as a human being, they were getting a bit ticked, to be honest. They were getting a bit annoyed. But then when he said that, a woman would come back, would be born on earth, and she will be the Virgin Mary. She will be over, she will basically be the mother of heaven. She will be the mother of angels. And they couldn't cope that a woman was going to be in charge, to be honest. And I suppose they fell from grace. Because God never showed them his face, they had that opportunity to disobey him. Because if God shows himself to people, they would never disobey him. So God showed himself to the good angels when they fought on his behalf. And I suppose people ask me as well, you know, do we have guardian angels? And I always tell them, every single person is a guardian angel. And your guardian angel is more powerful than any demon or devil because he has the grace of God. 
when you fell from God like the angels fell from heaven, they lost their grace. The further, the further you fall away from God, the darker they got. But God gave everybody free will, so he left them with their powers. And basically, they were, they were out to destroy the garden. They were out to destroy mankind. But God made a rule that they would never overtake human beings. They would not destroy them. But through invitation, through the law of invitation, law of attraction, doors can be opened. And when doors are open, these creatures can come into your life and it's hard to get rid of. So once Pandora's box is open, it's hard to close. So God has set rules now. Everybody's free will, but it's up to you. You can live a normal life without encountering a dark entity or a devil. But if you open a door, they will, they will come through and they destroy lives. They kill people. They possess people. They, we call them, well, they come in two forms, demons and devils. Demons are the low order of angels that fell. Devils are the high, the high order of angels like Seraphim, Cherubim, Dominions. These are the more powerful ones. So when you've got a dark case, it comes, you have factory workers, which is demons, and then you've got the office crowd, which is devils. The office crowd give out the orders, what to do, the oppression, how to come into people's homes, how to attack them. So every once in a while, if a devil does get involved, and gets into a case, that's when people die like the Amityville Horror, the Annalise case. When devils are involved in a case, they always go too far. They go out to kill people because they know they're damned. And their hatred for God is so vile and disgusting, they will break every rule. And, and human beings do the same. Human beings break rules, so they break rules. Lower ranking demons won't do this because they have the fear in them. They're still they're terrified of God. They're terrified of the power. They're afraid of the light. Holy objects basically burns them because of the energy it carries, the positivity. So higher ranking demons are the more powerful ones, and these are the ones that are dangerous. Very interesting. And and for the most part, I'm I'm with you almost a hundred percent, except for maybe just a couple of little nuances. But I mean, with all of this, that's supernatural and paranormal. It's it's subjective. You know, we we don't have a hundred percent concrete facts on it. No, it's, see, it's a lot about yeah. a lot about faith and a lot about what we believe, wouldn't you say? Yeah, most of the information that we get come from theologians, come from exorcist priests. Because if you go to the likes of Rome, when when an exorcist priest, a, a professional exorcist priest, a, a man who knows what he's doing, that's really holy, when he interrogates a demonic being during possession. That's when the answers come from, because under the power of God, they have to tell the truth. And that's where all the information comes from. It, it's worked from down to theologians all the way up to, the, to, the, to this present day. That's where the information comes from. And that's how it works. That's how it works. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. and even, you know, theologians, I, ha I have a master of, of divinity and I know even sitting in classes, there'd be some fine little nuances that we would sit there and, and debate and everything. Yeah. So there's, there's an, I don't know, I don't think I should say argument, but there is a <clears throat> discussion going on right now here in America, and maybe it's going on in Ireland too. That as far as demonic possession goes, is it demonic possession or is it a mental health issue? And how do we determine which one it is? Now, have, have you heard anything about that there? Well, you see, like at the end of the day, I'm not a doctor. 
that that's that's i'm not a doctor i'm not an exorcist priest i would never do exorcism i'm not a fool i'm not stupid exorcists and exorcist like an exorcist priest it, that's their job they're trained they're the ones that have protection under god they have the authority me i'm a lay person you know so my job is i go into a house i work a case file first that takes a few weeks of back and forth information you know and with that case file comes like have you have you been to a doctor are you on medication have you any like schizophrenia disidentity disorder i have to rule everything out because that's i'm not a doctor and um, i have a few cases where schizophrenics and oh uh, it goes back and forth for a few weeks and finally when we encourage them to go to the doctor he'll come back a few weeks later and say hey thanks very much i'm back on my meds now but that doesn't mean that there is something there hiding behind the disease so my how i work is true true case file i will distinguish what i think is real and what i think is not real if i think that a door has been opened and the amount of activity that's been caused by an entity is inhuman or dark i'll go and visit the home and then i'll chat to the people and i'll walk around the house myself and if there is something there i'll get a sense of it anyway because come with this work of years of working you do get a bit of discernment you know you feel the heaviness you have an idea what's going on basically and you're tuned in and like i tell them you know doors have opened need to be closed but unfortunately most people not all people some of my cases people don't patience is a big thing i find it's not it's not magic it's not harry potter you don't go in and just do a spell or say a prayer and walk out and it's done and dusted it could take years to work a case cases can still go on you could have exorcist priests come into a house and it could still go on it's not a hundred percent proof but we, we give a hundred ten percent we give them what we can i'll go in i'll try and pray over the people remove demonic attachments i'll talk to them and i'll bless their home i'll get them involved i'll teach them to do what i do because there's no point in me going to your house clearing your house and leave me it doesn't work that way you have to build up a hedge of protection you have to teach these people how to defend themselves so before i finish a deliverance prayer i've gone around the house i've prayed over the people i've checked the rooms you've checked everything we've sensed the energy then i'll give them all a religious book each and i'll teach them to do what i do i'll show them how to pray and they'll come around with us and they'll pray with us they'll bless the house they'll do it themselves it gives them confidence it gives them the ability to keep that hedge up and then of course when i'm finished we get the local priest in to say a mass in the house and bless the house and i leave then and keep in contact and if they're still having problems i'll go back and i'll go back and then if i'm stuck i'll get help from someone else i'll ring philip i'll ring people abroad i'll get them to email a bishop if you have to but unfortunately well it hasn't got that far in many cases things have been okay the last couple of years so i think it's i think it's a learning curve for everybody because if you cast a spirit of a home that spirit leaves that home and it goes off but that spirit then gets different orders of different angels and it comes back so god puts up a hedge of protection around that person you've guardian angels they protect you but if you go back to your old ways that hedge comes down it's up to you to keep spiritually active it's up to you to bring do something positive because you've done something negative to bring it in but that's not all the cases sometimes people just move into a haunted home Sometimes people buy something in the yard sale and bring it into the home. Some people piss off their neighbours and they curse them in hexy. So 
that's it's it's a terrible it's it's terrible but that's love that's the way it is we just have to you just give part of yourself and you help people and people don't realize that like when you go into someone's home whatever's in their homes coming to my home it follows your home that's why i think this work it's meant for you it's drawn to you like some people are paranormal investigators you have psychics you have mediums you're drawn to something and that's how it is and that is the truth of it. everybody especially demonologists like we're, we're we're not holy people we're holy people we're not like we're not priests we're normal people with family with kids with pets <clears throat> and stuff does come home like the other night i was in bed and um i think it was about 10 11 o'clock and i felt something in the room and i just say a few prayers now but the day but a week before that i burned i got rid of all the ouija boards and pendulums from a case someone was using the pendulum over a ouija board so i got rid of that i cleared a home and then something grabbed me by the throat but it was i've never been grabbed by the throat before and to be honest it actually frightened me. it gave me a shock because within five seconds i felt water in my nose and my mouth like coming up i was grabbed there but i couldn't breathe i, I couldn't do anything and that lasted five seconds then it happened again and then i just took a, a set of rosary beads and put them in the bed and said some prayers and it was fine then it went away so now i'm i was upset the next day the sore throat but i have to take something from this as well instead of getting upset and angry i go well maybe i haven't been that religious the last couple of weeks maybe i've let myself go i haven't been 100 percent. i've just been normal when it should be always keeping in and saying more prayers and getting more involved in my own house so now I'm praying more in the house. So something good always comes from something negative. You just have to see that side of it. And to be honest, yeah, it is frightening, but that's the job and that's it. Like when this happens, you're alone. You're always alone. This is what happens. Like, and then you like, how do I explain this? If I have a case in a few weeks time where someone's been grabbed by the throat, I can sympathize with that person. I've had a lot of stuff happen to me myself. And when I go into people's homes, I know what it's like to be pinned. You know what I mean? So I'm able to, I, I can say to someone, yeah, I've gone through that myself. And I could counsel them better, get a best of, get a better understanding and get on the same, the same wavelength and help that person. You have to be emotionally involved as well. It's hard going into people's homes because they're strangers. When I go to someone's home, they're strangers to me. It could be parents and kids. I don't know them. So, they're expecting the best from me, but from my point of view, I'm still a human being. I get nervous as well. I stutter when I talk. I get nervous and I don't know these people and you have to sort, you know, you have to build a bond. That's why you give part of yourself when you have someone. Absolutely. So <clears throat> you've, you've been doing investigations now for years. Yeah. What would you say is probably the worst <clears throat> or the most frightening one that you've ever had to deal with you know something every once in a while you think of a case and go holy shit that was terrifying but then you know there's so many i don't i, I it's just i don't know i find i don't like ouija board cases i hate them they're terrifying me but like i'm doing this 20 years and I'll go back to something that frightened me, which I don't tell many people. When I was starting off, I was starting off myself. There was no one to talk to. 
I was doing it myself. I was going to people's homes and stupidly collecting Ouija boards, voodoo kits, haunted mirrors, everything haunted. And I had this thing in my head where I thought to myself, so I put it into a spare room in my house. I'll bless it, I'll pray over it, and now it's out of that person's home. I don't have to worry about that spirit going back to that person. And I think the way back then, I just, I just thought this is the way to do it. And eventually I had a whole room full of mirrors and everything was full up. Like you couldn't even get into the room. And you know, ego and pride, it was great when your friends come in and people interested in the paranormal, you show them your haunted and stuff. Look at this from this case. You go through the stories, you show them the Ouija boards. Look at the voodoo kids from Louisiana. And I was young and stupid and foolish. And then one night I got pinned to the bed and I got dragged out and it frightened me. I was only about, gee, I could have been 20 years of age. And then I heard the bangings on the walls. And this went on, I couldn't sleep. I was in bed praying, I was doing everything. I could see faces with dark eyes telling me, you've invited us in. And I was shitting it. And that lasted three months. I was sleeping about three hours a night. One night, where the, where the, where the, the, the items are kept, the windows exploded on the inside of the house. And I could hear children laughing on the street. So we went up, went into the room, double glazing windows. So the window on the outside, Onto the road was fine, but the glass on the inside had smashed out. And I was I was starting to worry then, you know, in my in over my head, what could I do? And I managed to go up. Well, I spoke to someone, and someone told me that any haunted object can be destroyed. This thing about putting stuff in museums, it can be destroyed because God is more powerful. There's a quote, there's scripture in the Bible where people bring all the unholy stuff out of the street and they burn it. So you can bless a, whole, uh, a haunted object with holy water, pray over and you can smash it up, bury it, and you can burn it and put the ashes into a river. And this actually comes from the Vatican, the Catholic Church in Rome. So I went out and I destroyed all my haunted objects. I destroyed everything. I burnt it all, prayed over and I buried it. And I went to bed and nothing really happened ever since. But every, and then it was weird because I was starting on this journey and I was still by myself. You know, I was only starting to talk to people, priests and American pastors. They were only starting to teach me. Every once in a while, something would come into my room. But it was weird. I felt like, I had to say, I felt like, I felt like it was an apprenticeship. I felt like a child, basically, because I was in bed. She was coming in, but I always had this woman speak to me. And to this day, I don't know who she was. She'd always say to me, pray to Archangel Gabriel. I said, okay. So I prayed. But I always thought, pray to St. Michael. He's the he's the the saint, the, the patron of uh, like exorcisms now, but it was no Saint um, Gabriel had to pray to. So I'd done that for a while. And the more cases I get, this voice would talk, always talking to me. But then all of a sudden it just stopped. And I think that's maturity as well. As you grow older, these things stop. You have to stand on your own two feet, you know. And of course I was learning as well. You it, like demonology isn't paranormal. Demonology is religious. The more religious you are, the more you pray, the more backing you get, and the more protected you are. So that's that's my terrifying story there, you know. Scary shit. And, <laughs> and Gavin, I think I think that's a great place to end this conversation. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, it's it's been a great information, great stories, great perspective on all of this. And I think some of it's going to surprise some people when, when they hear what you've had to say. So thank you so much. 
And it's been an honor. Thank you for actually inviting me on. You're a lovely person. It's nice to meet you. And yeah, hopefully we stay in contact with you this again. That would be great. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for joining Chaplain Jody on Survivor Angels. For more information, go to chaplainjody.me. That's chaplainjody.me. And on Facebook at Survivor Angels Chaplain Jody. Sound effects for the show created by Andre Opate and provided by Pixbay. This is Dave Schrader. Until next time, sending you off to activate your angels.